0: Hi there. Welcome to Creation Station Monthly. I'm Bob from Creation Station. This is our monthly show where we talk about a creative topic with two strangers who have never met. I kind of got it wrong this time. (laughs) And we talk about how it is to be creative and what you're trying to do. This month's episode is all about therapy. And for the disclaimer, I am going to have Joanne tell me this disclaimer that we need to
1: have about any medical advice. Oh, the disclaimer is this is not professional advice we are about to give. We are just going to be talking about the therapy topic in general. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank
0: you. So let's introduce our two. I've got Joanne who. Uh, full disclosure happens to be my sister um, is on, is on here. Um, um, see, there we go. We got a surprise out of her. Yes, way to
2: bury the lead, Bob. There we
0: go. So, uh, Joanne, give us a quick nutshell about who you are, what you what you do, and Latrice, you come in right after. Her.
1: Okay, uh, let's see. I am a licensed mental health counselor. I'm licensed here in the state of Florida, as well as the state of New Hampshire and the state of New Jersey. Um, I've been uh, a license, licensed practicing counselor since 2006, started in 2003 after I graduated and then go through the license process. I've worked at a number of nonprofits, uh, including Henderson Behavioral Health, Women in Distress, uh, Broad Partnership for the Homeless, Became broad partnership (laughs) and other things. Um, and now I do private practice, uh, online with a couple of different platforms and then just private clients as well. So, yeah, um, been doing it.
2: Uh, So my name is Latrice Sampson Richards. I am a licensed mental health counselor in the state of Florida and as well as a licensed professional counselor in the state of Louisiana. I have been licensed for about 13 years now. Um, I started my career in juvenile justice actually i I did my practicum and internship at cattle parish drug court in shreveport louisiana Uh, and then i kind of moved through the jail system uh, specializing in child and adolescent therapy Mm -hmm. Um, i did about eight years as a military and family life counselor so i had the opportunity to travel the world Um, going to different military bases, uh, working with or providing subclinical counseling service to active duty service members and their families. Um, And so that was a very rewarding experience. I met my husband uh, (laughs) in that experience. We met in Cuba. Very rewarding. Yes, yes. I did (laughs) did three stints at Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, which is not What people think it is. I mean, it is, but it's also not. Um, And so I moved here to Broward County about four or five months before the pandemic. Uh, And so, you know, I've been inside for a while, uh, just trying to get out and. Uh, I started here working at Broward Behavioral Health Coalition. I mm-hmm. used to oversee the One Community Partnership 3 program, um, and now I work for United Way of Broward County. Uh, going on, a, it'll be two years in January, and I am the director of health initiatives uh, for UW. Uh, I, I was on a meeting earlier, and uh, when I was introducing myself, I, you know, just said I'm the director of health initiatives, and one of the uh, people on the call, he was like, "You do a lot more than that. I do a little bit of everything." Uh, at yes. UW, we are definitely a cohesive team. Um, But my primary responsibility is to oversee prevention services, which includes mental health, substance, and suicide prevention.
0: Very So, like, it sounds like between the two of you, you have, like, most of the planet covered and almost every specialty. (laughs) Most
1: populations, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I want that gig, though. I don't know how you got that traveling gig. That's cool.
2: You know, so, quick story. Um, So, I, when I was... Uh, working toward my licensure. Mm -hmm. I had moved back home to New Orleans. I'm born and raised in New Orleans, Louisiana. Um, And so I had moved back home to New Orleans. And uh, after I left the juvenile justice system, it was just a little bit too much for me. Mm -hmm. I actually started doing multisystemic therapy. Um, And yes, that's my
1: baby. (laughs) Okay, we'll go back to that. Go ahead.
2: And so I used to do MST for uh, the, the we we have parishes in louisiana okay um and so uh for those who may not know a parish is akin to a county and so jefferson parish uh -hmm. i i work for jefferson parish human services district and my supervisor at the time she actually was an M-FLAC, but she she had the contract, but she had never actually- What's an
0: M-FLAC, a what? uh,
2: Military and Family Life Counselors. uh, For short, we just call it M-FLAC. And so she, but she had never actually taken an assignment. So I was, uh, you know, I knew I was about to reach the end of my hours and I, I was gonna be applying for other things now that I was licensed and she told me about the program. And so I put in my application uh, probably in uh, October Mm of 2011. And in December 2011, I was approved and I went on my first assignment January 2012 and wow. um, it, it really wasn't a difficult process and actually the MFLAC program still exists it, oh. it doesn't exist in the same way that it once did sure. um, but it does still exist and I'm very grateful for that experience because uh, I got an opportunity to travel the world I, yeah. I went to Guantanamo Bay Cuba three times wow. um, I met my husband the first time mm-hmm. I, I spent a year in Okinawa with Japan I loved it every minute of it I spent about five months in uh, Germany Um, and so you know I got an opportunity to kind of get around and and see the world see how other people live but I think the biggest thing for me was spending time with the military um, and like really in being engulfed in military Mm. culture Mm -hmm. I have a completely new appreciation Mm. for not just the service members But really, the families and Mm -hmm. and the dependents, I mean, they give up so much and they go through so much in support of their service members. So um, Mm it was a it was a very enriching experience for them.
0: Wow.
1: Very cool.
0: I want to ask. So, Joanne, get us started on this because you have both talked about working with different populations and working with in different areas and being licensed in multiple places and all this. So, Joanne, fill us in on, oh, you said you rattled off like three states, four states yeah, that you're three. currently licensed in. Yeah. And I happen to know you've done people like outside of the United States to sure, sure. tell us about how that all works and how do you deal, how do you, not only how do you deal with that, but on the creative, we are creative here, you know, so sure, w- sure. what is it, what is that process for you to be able to be ready to deal with Three different states in multiple countries, <clears throat> and still
1: give the same level of service type stuff. Sure. Um, well, the reason why I got licensed in a couple of states, so one of the platforms I work on really strongly encouraged me to because it's uh, it's called You Will, and it works for the college students. And so there's a few states, unfortunately, that have a really um, It's really challenging for them to find licensed clinicians. New Jersey, New Hampshire, being two of them, and there was a lot of demand. Um, The state of New Jersey props because they just signed with YouWill, and every single state university and the state of New Jersey is offering their college students free therapy. And I am, I'm beyond. I'm like, sign me up. I'll do whatever it takes. So, um, so I'm licensed there for that reason um and so i work with college students on that platform um you will you will capital u capital w-i-l-l dot com um it's a it's just fantastic they contract with colleges and the colleges um pay them and so then they just allow us to give the services to the students for free it's fantastic I love that yeah it's really cool um and it's not just the 18 year and 20 year olds right it's people in grad school that are trying to be doctors and lawyers and and um struggling because the world is you know full of pressure and stuff right now um so i think that you know the hardest part for me or or the creative i guess piece is just keeping yeah it is Keeping um, aware of resources in those areas, right, so that you can make sure, because of course it's virtual, so you want to make sure that you're on top of making sure those individuals have immediate access to resources where they are, if they can't get me. Um, and, uh, yeah, I forgot the other part of the question. But other than that Just it's Just uh, how do
0: you pull it off? How, how do you... Because it's Um, obviously it's more than just juggling, especially when you're dealing with mental health. This is not mm -hmm. just, okay, we're going to put this widget aside. Now we're going to pick up the other widget. Sure. It's how do you deal with, and in your case, you're dealing with different cultures. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. and Latrice, the same thing mentioned earlier, military culture versus civilian culture, et cetera. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. I spent a year in Okinawa too. It was an amazing experience. Yeah. But it's a really different thing. Sure. I think here. it's
1: important. I think it's important to address that, right? I think even if you are only doing local, right, it's still really important to be informed when it comes to cultural differences and and the impact of you know racial inequality and all of these things that impact your clients, your customers, right, the people, what they're going through. So um, certainly, there was a lot of impact on COVID. It impacted people differently and so having those conversations looked very different than they did a few years ago. Um, I think when it comes to just juggling, it's um, there's some preparation that goes into services, right? We don't just usually wing it by the seat of our pants, <laughs> you know, um, but there's also a being in the moment, right? Not just going in with my own agenda, but meeting the clients and and, and being where they need to be too. So being um, able to, to to be flexible, <laughs> creative with whatever you're gonna talk about, I suppose. I laugh when you sign me up or when you ask me about that. I'm like, I'm the least creative person I know. Um, but then I realize that part of therapy is just allowing the personal aspects of yourself and then your clients to come through. And, and so if that's creative, I'll, I'll take it. So.
2: It's so interesting. Um, so I'm, I'm also a podcaster, um, as I mentioned before, but um, one of the things that really led me to podcasting was my work as a therapist. I mm-hmm. used to have a private practice in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And so I, I won't go into the full, full story. But okay,
0: Latrice, we need that name. What's the podcast
1: name?
2: so well so i have multiple podcasts my first podcast is called unicorns talk podcast um and it it is a mental health podcast and in my last episode of that podcast i haven't produced a new episode on that podcast in about three years or so Um, but people still listen And the, the last episode which is my highest downloaded episode is called "Why I'm Leaving Mental Health," mm. and so there was a time about not quite. It's Unicorns Talk with Latrice Sampson. Oh,
0: okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, we just gave yeah. somebody else some free advertising. That's okay. <laughs>
2: um, uh, and so, Unicorns. The the last episode was titled "Why I'm Leaving Mental Health," mm. and the you know I talked about a lot of things in that episode, uh, specifically around. Uh, mental health in the black community, a lot of times, there you go. A lot of times it, it is, you know, it can feel like it's more about business and profit mm, sure. than it is about providing support and, and mm-hmm. care the way that it really needs to be provided. Mm-hmm. But a huge part of it also for me was um, kind of feeling boxed in around mm. my creativity. Mm. Um, you know, with the MST therapy, um, I was not a fan of MST, I really wasn't, um, because I I felt like it was just too prescriptive, you know, Mm -hmm. and it it didn't really give me an opportunity to be as creative as I would have liked to have been, so, Mm -hmm. um, you know, And when you think about therapy, when you think about working with people, the cornerstone of that is supposed to be individualization and and making it something that works for that individual person. And I just kind of got to the point where I was feeling very constrained Mm. by just, you know, policies and um, don't even get me started on the whole (laughs) billing process. I, I really feel like... These sure. insurance providers are like the yeah. modern day mafia. I definitely <laughs> believe that. Uh, but I, I was starting to feel mm. really boxed in and constrained. Yeah. And, and that kind of led me into podcasting. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: ironically, I didn't have that experience at MST. Now, it is very true. It's one of the most structured, evidence based models there is but I also loved the intensity of it, that it was, it's also the one that was like, you need to be in the home seven days a week for 12 hours, six hours a day, go for it. And I was, and there were families, I opened that I did that for and loved it. I mean, I, my family has heard way too many stories of things we did did with family, you know, um, all, all HIPAA compliant, of course, but the idea of, um, I get you that when you're working for an agency, you're definitely it's a numbers for a lot of them. Right. It's really hard to to give an individual or, or you know, that time. Uh, so, yeah, there's there's a lot to be said for going private and private pay and, and things like that. And, and I'm I'm all about access. Right. I want people to have access to services. I want people to. Services should be affordable and accessible, is my tagline. I just think that it's just so critical. And so, yeah, building companies, that I, I avoid them like the plague. Oh my
2: goodness. <laughs> Don't even get me started. It's-
1: so, it's- that leads me to
0: our question that we, I always ask people, uh, and this is, we do a technology podcast too here. Mm. So, what is the technology?
1: Just
0: mm. building software? Or what, last year, we actually had somebody from the VA who writes the software for the va on the show Mm -hmm. uh that was he had a really interesting perspective on some of the stuff my thought my question is what technology do you want to use then what is it that you have right now that you're using if you're doing podcasting if you're doing remote stuff joanne Mm with other people mm -hmm. you must be using some kind of technology for Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. but then tell me what's lacking and what's your dream piece that you want
1: I don't know that I have a dream piece yet. I will tell you that I love that. So for instance, EMDR, um, Eye Movement Desensitization Reprocessing Therapy, is they have- We need like an acronym thing at the end of this show. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) they shifted, right? So this is a really, um, it's really based for trauma work um, and it's all about eye movement and really being close to somebody and and, all of the emdr training i never did it before covid and i did a whole online emdr training and how to do it online and then how the tools have now become available so you can do it remotely if the person of course is appropriate but it is an amazing it's giving so many more people access to this therapy that is so beneficial that you never would have been able to do again, think about New Hampshire. There are wait lists of people in New Hampshire. I can do EMDR with them, um, that they never would have access to because I have a software called remote EMDR (laughs) and I can use that and it does the eye movement thing, you know, for me. And so it's, um, I think i love that there's, people out there that recognize that during COVID therapy online was going to change. And I I was really happy about that. I get asked all the time, I'm sure you do, Latrice, too, the idea of, you know, well, is it the same as if it's not in person? And I'm like, I've done a lot of therapy in person, and I've done a lot of therapy online. And I was skeptical. And I think after my Fourth or fifth session, I was like, "Oh no, I can do this," yeah. because I think it's all about engagement, right? It's all about building that relationship, and if you can look someone in the eye and have that relationship, you're going to have the same therapeutic response and engagement in person or, or virtual. So, yeah, uh, I, I think uh, mm. the the kind of dawn of online therapy in mm.
2: general was a major revelation mm. uh, for the industry because. Uh, I, I actually started doing online therapy before COVID, a, a couple of years before COVID. Cool. Uh, yeah, because I was traveling and things like that sure. with the with the impact program. And so um, I wanted to, you know, kind of get into it. And so uh, I, I think I knew earlier on that mm-hmm. it was going to be something that was revolutionary, but at the time, When I first started online therapy, the industry wasn't really into it. The Mm. licensing boards were all but prohibiting it. You know,
1: oh yeah, your ethics questions. Oh oh, no, my
2: goodness! Listen, (laughs) they they were like, you want to do what, where, how? You know, so there was a strong pushback um, mm-hmm, from, mm-hmm. from the industry as a whole. And then COVID came and mm-hmm. kind of forced our hand, yeah. um, and which I think was one of the best things that could have ever happened because sure. it increased access first mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. foremost, people sure. who uh, were not able to access mm-hmm. therapeutic intervention before, whether mm-hmm. it's because they just didn't have access to it in their area sure. um, or they, were not able to find a therapist that they felt comfortable with Mm, that mm -hmm. was within their specific area. Um, And so, you know, now they have access to this thing and and they have access to this outlet. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's, it, it really is a revolutionary thing in my opinion, uh, because it has opened our eyes to the power of connection. I always Mm. say you know, emotion connects us all. And mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, therapy in all of its forms is about understanding and regulating our emotions. Mm. And so, and, and how we respond to, to those emotions, right? Like at its core. Sure. And so I think, because i had done so much traveling already and you know i was very much into facetiming and using all of the apps and like that was my that was how i kept up with family and friends that was how i maintained relationships and Mm -hmm. things like that so i knew that you could form Mm -hmm, strong mm -hmm. relationships and Mm -hmm. connections with people in a virtual space and so i'm i'm really happy to see that the therapy, the therapy industry has kind of caught up to that yeah and not very only much so. caught up to it but i think is now an active participant in mm. shaping what that
1: looks like moving forward absolutely i mean the number of ads on tv right for all the different platforms that just encourage people to get help is amazing right so love it. And, Absolutely. And
2: even the, I think that kind of speaks to the reduction of stigma around mm, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. idea or the concept of mental health as well. Sure. We're seeing it in TV shows. We're seeing mm-hmm. it being talked about in popular culture and yeah, in, in yeah. the news and, you know, things of that nature. And so I think making it so accessible has sure. gone a long way in terms of helping people to feel more comfortable with the idea. Of opening up and being vulnerable with someone and, and Absolutely. talking about the things that they don't talk about with anyone
1: else. Sure.
0: Sure. Well, let me follow up on that one, Latrice, because that was the next question I was supposed to be asking anyway. So thank you for that. <laughs> um is we always ask, what what do you think society thinks of what you're doing as a creative field? You know, and, and is mm-hmm. it something you know like we get a lot of times, you know. Oh, well, yeah, that's fine to do when you're a kid, but you're an adult now. You have to, you have to let that go. Mm-hmm. In this case, you both took your creative juices and, and your wanting of helping people to turn it into a full career. Mm-hmm. But what do you think people are actually thinking now, as Latrice was starting to go on to about therapy, mm-hmm. about therapists and people, whether in popular culture or real world stuff, versus what it used to be like? Because you see all the depictions in popular media about therapists. <laughs> I've seen in
1: treatment. <laughs> yeah, there you go.
2: it's an amazing show. Yeah, <laughs> um, I think that attitudes are starting to change, mm. um, and I think it's uh, it's a double edged sword in a lot of ways, you know, because I think that on, on the one hand we want people to feel like a therapist is an option for them. Mm -hmm. We want people to feel like, you know, seeking therapeutic intervention is a viable option that there's no shame in it. And that Mm -hmm. it's, it's actually a a sign of strength to reach out and say, I'm struggling with something and and I need help. and, And I need a professional that can help me work through these issues because Uh, my friends and family just not going to get it for me, right? Um, (laughs) But I think the, the difficult part of that also, though, is that I think because of the rise in popularity and because we've seen it more in pop culture, you now have the rise of like these pseudo experts um, mm. and, and coaches and you know, which I, I am also a life coach. I did get my certification as a life coach, even though I was staunchly against it in the mm. beginning. Um, but it was important to me to understand what coaching was um, mm. before I really made an opinion about it. And um, I think that for the general public, it can be difficult at times to understand the difference between mm-hmm. a licensed professional sure. and what the trendy term seems to be a mental health advocate. You know, sure. um, someone will say, Oh, I'm a, I'm a mental health advocate. And then everything that comes out of their mouth, they're saying it as if they, they have degrees and <laughs> like, like this is what it is. And, sure. and sometimes I'm just like, Well, actually, no, that's, that's <laughs>
1: not. Yeah, it's
2: not actually what it is. So I think it's kind of a double edged Mm -hmm. sword sure. because, you know, we want that exposure. We want that saturation, but we also have to warn people against charlatans.
1: Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think there's a a awful lot of it's good that people have choices, right? And so encouraging um, encouraging say shopping around is maybe that's a a weird term, but I'm not, if if you want to be able to connect with your therapist. So if I'm not the one for you, I'm totally cool with that. Tell me that, right. Feel free. I'll give you recommendations. I'll, you know, whatever. Um, But yeah, I I do. I think it allows um, just because things have been talked about so much there's so many more resources that we can pull into right what i love when a client's like oh i started reading this book and i'm writing it down and i'm like oh wait let me let me check out or i listen to this podcast or i you know i read this blog or even just you know the apps that they get motivations from right all of these different things there's so many more supplements that we have now than, um, than ever that I, I I love using that stuff mm-hmm. I love using that to supplement all of those things but okay. again no oh, finish no, no 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 you finished no that was it that was it I just love it uh, because I was gonna say
0: and I was gonna remind you we only have an hour long show for this next question okay. okay so using AI chat bots as therapists mm. go.
2: No, I'm not. You know, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I, and the reason why it, it's it's multi-pronged. So, um, you know, being being in the podcasting industry, I think um, I understand AI just a little bit deeply. I, I really do track what's going on with AI because. It, it is going to revolutionize the way that we do everything um, mm-hmm. in, in this world. There's no escaping it. And so uh, I'm of the stance that I want to be a part of shaping it versus just being uh, reactionary to it. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think that my biggest issue with AI right now today is that it's just not smart enough, um, which is, it's kind of wild to say because it's AI, but (laughs) it's not, it, it, it's still pretty stupid, um, for, for, for all intents and purposes, it doesn't really understand human connection, human emotion, the way that a therapist would understand it. And Mm so I, I, I think just, it's just too young to Mm -hmm. even consider using ai as like a a chat bot or something like that but Mm -hmm. i do think that it has potential i think that it can be very helpful for therapists um, and and for other like mental health creatives to um kind of advance the work that we're already doing because it, Mm -hmm. it can be very helpful in some of the minute details um you know some of the structuring some of the organization of of things and uh, helping us to get new ideas and and um, to kind of formulate those ideas into creative ventures like podcasting. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's it's can be very a very useful tool, Mm -hmm. but I definitely I am not looking forward to. Well, Chat
1: but, but think about it too, right, Latrice? I mean, the reason why people come to therapy is because they're lacking a connection in a lot of ways, right? And so, yeah, they can go online and they go to AI and and type in, you know, hey, how do I have things I do, but they're, that's not going to help them feel more connected and they need to talk to somebody. Now I had this conversation with someone maybe a couple of months ago and he was like, Oh yeah, but you're thinking like old, like, you know, older, not the new generation. They're totally cool with like, just, you know, typing this and like, are they, are they really? I don't think so. They think they are, but the, the progress gets made when you, when you know that somebody gets you. Another human being on this planet sees you, sees your value, sees your worth, just because you're here. And and I mean that's truly one of the feelings that drives people to therapy in the first place in my in my realm, I guess. And so you're not, yeah, you're right. You're not going to get that on the chat. Mm-hmm. I know on the chatbot, so yeah. I, I I agree. It has some purposes if it comes to, like you say, helping with organizing you even even creating using it to help create treatment plans or any of those things right but when it comes to true living human connection i mean i think i i don't feel at fear i think i can use it as a tool but i'm not at fear it's going to take my job how about that yeah i agree
2: and i actually i heard someone uh made a quote and they said uh ai is not going to replace jobs, people mm. who know how to use AI mm. will replace your jobs. Sure. You know? yeah. and, and I think that was very eye-opening. Mm,
0: sure, me. Yeah. love it. So this is a very loaded question in this particular field. We always celebrate, I try to always make sure we celebrate successes and you both have already done really well in your fields and done things. What's the time that you failed and what did you learn from it?
1: I got mine. You need to think, I I know. Oh, I'm sure (laughs) I have some, don't get me wrong. I just gotta think about which one, just kidding. Uh, Go ahead, Latrice, I'll let you start.
2: So I mentioned earlier that I used to have a private practice um, Mm. when I, uh, I had just started MFLAC, and I did MFLAC work for about a year or so. I saved up my money, and, you know, the ultimate goal was to go into private practice. Mm-hmm. And so I, I opened a private practice uh, in New Orleans, and I was working toward uh, getting that practice up and running. And uh, I had never worked so hard for anything in my mm-hmm. life, mm-hmm. literally. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, You know, I, I just i'm an overachiever you know um i don't know that's the most politically correct way to say that it's a good thing you know bright take is. your flowers come on now <laughs> yes. um, but i just i've never had to work that hard um mm. to to do anything and mm. so this was you know i put my all into it and it just at the end of the day it just didn't work out for me mm. and so um i ended up having to close my office and that was uh, hands down the most difficult decision I've mm-hmm. ever made in mm-hmm. my life, uh, because I felt like a failure. I felt like mm-hmm. a complete failure. Um, and for someone, you know, who is a, a overachiever and someone who, you know, does relatively well, that was sure. a huge, huge. Um, pill to swallow. Mm. And so I ended up going back to the MFLAC work. I actually, uh, took the assignment, my first assignment in Cuba, my first international assignment after that. And when I met my husband, um, but it took, he'd better
0: be listening to this show.
2: He (laughs) better, he better. Um, and it took me a few years to kind of come out of it. I went into a full blown depression. And it took me about a year or two to come out of it. And the way that I came out of it was because I was able to recognize um, the lessons that mm. that experience had brought to me. Mm. Um, it brought me podcasting. Mm. I, I, you know, I, when I was trying to get my business going, I uh, get my private practice going, I created a program mm-hmm. um which was a free program just to drum up interest mm-hmm. and then I ended up getting a radio interview to promote the program. Nice. And at the radio interview, the producer said, you know, have you ever thought about being in radio? She's like you have a very pleasant speaking voice. Nice. And I was like, me? I, I, <laughs> are you talking to me? And uh, within three months, I had my own radio show. Mm-hmm. And then a few months after that, a friend of mine reached out to me and introduced me to podcasting. So I there was no way for me to know at that time mm-hmm. that all of those steps and what felt like failure in, in that moment was actually getting me closer to what I believe my purpose is and what my calling mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. which is, you know, providing uh mental health support through the you know the medium of podcasting nice um and so that was the most difficult period of my life um and now i look back on it as a a turning point because Mm -hmm. it moved me closer to what i believe is my life's purpose
1: nice nice that's awesome that's really cool i never intended to go into private practice it's just kind of happened i um thank goodness i have a very supportive husband and um, he's probably working but he'll listen um and so i but i I was done with the nonprofit work i had done that a lot and so i i uh going into private practice i i it's as much as i want it to be it could be more but it's as much as i want it to be right now Um, I love it. And I have, you know, anyway, I'm trying to think of a different, there's plenty of difficult challenges that I've had throughout agency work, you know, talking about a a really challenging time was because I did a lot. I was a director at a few different places that I worked. And so I was in charge of the clinicians, right. And finding the balance to support clinicians, knowing the work that they're doing, right, and yet going and the other side, the administrator side, going. But there's there's numbers like we have to make numbers this month. We, I I I know that you know, um, and and we I've, I've worked at, you know we had we had a couple of clients um, pass away and and dealing with the clinicians and and how they were dealing with that and, and really being there to support them um, was a real challenging time because again, I'm trying to walk this really tight rope of, oh, I know, and I would send you home for two days. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately I'm over here hearing like, well, we, we can't, we can't let these numbers go away. I'm like, mm-hmm. so I think I really got burned out on that administrator part from a, from an administration piece. A nonprofit, particularly and um um didn't want to add to the compassion fatigue and the burnout that it's like there's ways to avoid that so i am um, i'm really happy that i can work with i supervise some interns now and that i my focus is getting them to make sure they take care of themselves because most of them, of course, are working for nonprofits and agencies as they're going through the license process. And so, working through that, I would say that's probably the most challenging is that administrator, fine line clinician role. <laughs> so, let's follow up on that a little
0: bit, Joanne. And so, somebody joining into the field, mm-hmm. and it's a kind of a two part thing again is one, how did you? Get started did you go to college knowing this is what you wanted to do with Mm -hmm. your life or did you stumble upon it because oh well wait wait i took this class and oh this is kind of cool and i want to continue on this and then number two is what's the advice you have for someone who might want to might not and now they just heard oh you're gonna get ground down
1: (laughs) how do you how do you tell them hey you get to do cool stuff too yeah, you do get to cool stuff. Um, it wasn't what I intended to do. I did get my associates. What did you want to be when you grew up? Uh, well, I thought I wanted to be a theater, movie theater manager, cause I did that for about 10 to 12 years. Um, loved it. And then I got tired of the customer service piece, right? Um, on the big scale piece. So, um, but all my employees, I, I usually had employees at the theater, and they range from fourteen to seventy, right? So you have this whole range of people, and everyone kept saying, "You know what? You you really listen well. You really, you know, it's easy to talk to you. You should really like you should be counseling." And so, I um, did my bachelor's in psychology, finished that in ninety four, but waited until two thousand to start my master's. So I was a late latecomer to the to the field um did my master's at uh oakland university in rochester michigan and um got my license there but then moved right away to florida so went through the licensing process here from 2003 to 2006 um and Uh, so yeah i've kind of lost track how many licenses do you have (laughs) If you, if you just casually uh, throw no, this out No, no, still no, no, no. I, I mean, I have. Day. I mean, I'm licensed in three states. So I got my bachelor's, my you know, my associates, my bachelor's, my masters. I have no oh. intention of getting a doctorate. There's okay. no worry about that. Okay. None well, whatsoever. There's <laughs> nope. um, no. But I do. So I enjoy it, and I think that I being a latecomer to the field is a unique experience, and I'm really glad that I did. Um, I think coming fresh out of school, you know, when you are younger, it is, um, I think that there's, there's so many options now that are great for new clinicians. I mean, I never even heard of the program that you talked about, right? This traveling program, I'm like, what? That would be fantastic. Um, Had I known that when I was single, I'd probably have done that, right? I bet Um, you can talk him into traveling yeah yeah i could probably talk my husband into that um or just i go away for a few months just kidding um and so (laughs) but that whole idea of um i think okay what advice would i give to new people i think you don't have to know your population right there's so many opportunities that you can try to work with a population. I have an intern who for years did a bunch of other things, right? Kids, teenagers, uh, crisis work. She has found her niche in, uh, in working with um, substance abuse. Never in a million years did she ever think she'd want to do that. It is not a population that is close to my heart. It's, really challenging but she absolutely adores it and i think so it's just giving yourself permission to say you know what if this doesn't fit it doesn't mean i'm not a good clinician it just means this this population probably wasn't a good fit for me and there's so many opportunities to do different things Mm
0: -hmm. how about you latrice did you original i always teased i wanted to be a tomato farmer what did you (laughs) want to be before you uh (laughs) became a clinician uh
2: so when when i was a child I wanted to own a McDonald's um, ah, that is, I like that that's, that's nice. what I wanted to do and I guess it's never too late you know mm-hmm, I've, mm-hmm. I've never worked in uh in fast food or in the service industry but um I I didn't Know that I wanted to be a therapist. Mm-hmm. I, I always say I kind of feel like I was called to it mm-hmm. more than anything. I mean, in high school, I was a junior counselor, but mm-hmm. the only reason I signed up for that was because they got to do a retreat every year, and I wanted to go <laughs> like they went away for this retreat, you know? Nice. And so I, I wanted to go on the retreat. Um, so I, I was a junior counselor in high school, and my mother wanted me to be a teacher um, and I didn't know what I wanted to do, but mm-hmm. I knew I didn't want to be a teacher. Um, and so just because I, I know how kids behave in classrooms. And so, and so uh, I actually started college as an English major um, mm-hmm. because I, I read and write pretty well. And so uh, at freshman orientation, I, I went to the University of Louisiana at Lafayette, go Cajuns. I uh, At Freshman Orientation, that was actually the last year that we had the newspaper uh, catalog, course catalog. Mm. The next year, the next semester, it actually went digital. But I had the newspaper and I was kind of flipping through it to choose courses and things. And I came across psychology Mm. and I had never really even heard the word psychology Mm. up Mm. until that point um and it said the the science of the study of human behavior mm. and i was like oh that's interesting you know because mm. i am a people watcher i am absolutely fascinated by human beings mm. and the diversity of human beings and and the enormity but the also the simplicity of human beings it's just mm. i i will completely nerd out on it <laughs> and so, and so, um, I started looking through the courses, and um, they were very interesting to me. And so, I I changed my major at freshman mm. orientation, cool. um, still not really knowing what that meant, but I became a psychology major. Cool. And one of our first courses is essentially careers in mm. like what can you do with a psychology? Cool. Degree yeah and so in that class they told us about the different levels and Mm -hmm. i knew i hate school so i was not interested in getting a (laughs) phd so i was like that research thing is out here Mm -mm. um and so i just i didn't necessarily choose counseling Mm -hmm. it just Mm -hmm. it just was the path and Mm -hmm. so um that, that's how I ended up in that space and but I still feel like i'm I'm always evolving
1: mm, and sure. like
2: figuring out what my path is 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 continuing to evolve mm. um, because now that while well, I work in mental health administration now I've been in administration about four years now um because I got so fed up similar to what Joanne was saying earlier just you know working in those mental health rehab agencies and mm. Um, just you know dealing with the numbers and the hours and all of those things mm-hmm. it, it's just a lot it it will wear on you very mm-hmm. very quickly so I moved into administration hoping that that would kind of renew my interest and it did mm-hmm. <laughs> excuse me but at the same time I still have that longing for creativity mm-hmm. and so now that I'm, I'm moving into the podcasting space um, I feel like my background as a therapist really lends itself Mm -hmm. to podcasting and and into storytelling in general Mm -hmm. and so I'm able to embed these really deep and meaningful moments Mm -hmm. because of my understanding of human behavior Mm -hmm. into these entertainment pieces Mm -hmm. and so it's kind of like you know, giving you nice. a little bit of candy with the medicine, you nice. know, and and so I I really enjoy that, and so I would just echo what Joanne is saying to anyone that's interested in coming into the field. I think keep your options open. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do, I mean, just psychology so much. Is the, you can do so much. Yeah, psychology yeah. really is the bedrock of every industry. Mm-hmm. Every mm-hmm. industry is touched by psychology sure. and mm-hmm. the understanding of human beings and how sure. human beings work and how we, you know, feel and how we produce and, you know, all mm. of the things and consume. Sure. And so um, I think just keep your options open. Mm. And if there's something that you see that's a need that's not being filled, then that might be a sign that it's, it's your job to create the thing to
1: fill sure. that need. Mm, love it
0: very love it yeah very cool so i have one last question about the what's your ultimate technology thing you would like to see in the future sort of thing (laughs) thing that we always ask about what does that mean for therapy though i mean is it is it Doing being able to do it in VR where you're isolated and able to share with somebody or is it, what is it? Like you were saying Latrice with the podcast and you can reach out to so many different people that mm-hmm. way. What is that next thing that's out there? Whether it, it may not be technology, maybe it's anti-technology. Like Joanne was saying, it's, 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 it's a chance to actually be live in person mm-hmm. with someone. Mm-hmm. What is it that that's the next frontier for therapy?
2: Yeah, I I think for therapy in general and and the idea of mental health and and mental wellness, um, it it is this idea of kind of like lifting the veil and, and making it something that is just, you know, dinner table conversation Mm -hmm. versus um you know something that's such a taboo topic as Mm -hmm. it it has been for so many years Mm -hmm. i think that is the next frontier i think that's the direction that we're moving in where it becomes normalized Mm -hmm. for people to talk about their feelings this next generation man they're on it, you know, sure. they, they are definitely on it. They have feelings and they are not afraid to share <laughs> them. Um, and I just, I think it's a beautiful thing. I, I really do. I, I, you know, ideally mm-hmm. I would like for them to have more coping skills, <laughs> uh, but that's where we come in. But I think just the fact that they are, they feel comfortable and free to express themselves. Mm. Sure. They feel even, even at the risk of negative, Repercussions to mm-hmm. personal, um, as well as in a professional space, they are they are very um, strong in the in the idea or the notion that this is who I am, mm-hmm. this is how I show up in the world, mm-hmm. and I, I'm not going to be forced to conform mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. that world. And sure. so I think that they really are going to be, and and not are going to, because they're already there they are the change makers that I think we need. Um, Sure. They're going to, they're really going to turn things around um, just because of their level of vulnerability and their, Mm -hmm. their willingness to um, to show themselves and to be seen.
1: Yeah, they're definitely the struggle to be authentic is, is not necessarily theirs, right? Mm -hmm. It's now it's just how do they, how do you maintain that with all of this, uh, the negativity that you like? You say the repercussions that you might experience, right?
0: Authentic is the actual word of the year, by the way.
2: I saw that.
0: Oh, I, I missed that. that. Oh, that's yeah. fantastic. Uh, yeah, Webster. Merriam-Webster uh, 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 put that out. Word. Yeah, that, that is the key word.
2: Word of the year. <laughs>
0: So, we only have a couple of minutes here left. I want you both, I'm going to throw up Joanne's slide here because it has some resources on here to tell people about. And Joanne, you can go first about these and tell us, tell the people who are listening here, anywhere in the world who happen to listen to this podcast, what do they need to do to reach out to a therapist or how should they be getting
1: there's so many options out there and that's what i love about it right um there's so many platforms i am encouraged that there's platforms like open path collective right where therapists are on there and they're agreeing to hold their fees to a certain limit right um to make it accessible and affordable for everyone um i'm excited about psychology today and they're listening i'm excited for the compact the counselor compact that's coming out right where people are going to have access to therapists in multitudes of states right so like you were saying earlier Latrice, right this idea of hey if this person doesn't fit with me i i have plenty more to choose from and really taking advantage of that because there are people who are specialized and and eating disorders or trauma or whatever, right? And you can't, you won't necessarily find that. So mm-hmm. I'm excited about all that stuff that's coming out. Um, I got off the topic, I'm sure. Um, the it's resources, okay. how do you find resources. a therapist? So here's I, my,
0: here's my yeah. question for you, Joanna and yeah. Latrice. Yeah. So I know working at the library, we recommend 211. Mm-hmm. Go call them, is that a nationwide thing?
2: well actually it is it is
1: is it nationwide i thought it was okay go ahead sorry
2: yeah so 2 one both 2 one and 988 are national mm-hmm. resources mm-hmm. um but they are localized at the same time ah, got, it, got, right? it, got it got it so um you can call anywhere in the united states you can pick up any phone in the United States, cell phone or otherwise, and dial 211, and it will link you to a local directory of resources. Nice. Whatever resources it is that you need, whether that's childcare, if that's housing assistance, mm. if that's uh, bill pay assistance, if that's crisis support, if mm. that's you know whatever it is, mm. any 211 in the country can help support you with those needs. And the same thing goes for 988. 988 Mm -hmm, is mm the new, I I was looking on your website, Joanne, you got to update that. I will update that. I just (laughs) saw that too. Um, So 988 is the National Suicide Suicide Prevention and Crisis Lifeline. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And if anyone is experiencing suicidal ideation or having, Uh, thoughts of self-harm or if you're just in crisis and you Mm -hmm. need someone to talk to you can pick up any phone anywhere in the country and dial 988 and you'll be connected to a local uh, essentially it's a call center Mm -hmm. right Um, where a crisis support specialist is on the other end ready, willing, and capable mm-hmm. of providing you with the support that you need in that moment, and then also to connect you to the resources that you need in order to maintain your mental health. And so um, I definitely encourage anyone to utilize those resources. Uh, we also, uh, at United Way of Broward County, we offer, through, through the Broward Suicide Prevention Coalition, mm-hmm. we offer trainings throughout the year on mm. uh, how to identify risk and how to mm. connect individuals with resources. We do mental health first aid, youth mental health first aid, QPR, assist. I mean, if there's a training on it- I've I attended a number attend. of them. They're fantastic. Yes, we, we do it, you know? Um, and so just getting the support that mm. that you need, connecting to the resources that you need. Um, mm. You know, it's it's three numbers away is what we say. Mm. Three numbers away. There you away. go, nice for uh, community information, 988 for crisis support, 911 mm. for emergency support services. Nice. Um, so,
0: yeah. This That's is awesome. why we have professionals on the show, folks. Awesome. Thank you both very much. This has been a great, we flew by a whole hour has already gone by. We, by we, so we, we didn't even it, I know. <laughs> um, as always, if you, you just got the numbers, folks, so normally I would say, hey, reach out and I'll we'll pass on the stuff. Call those numbers if you need help. Uh, and the websites are there in the link for you for both of our guests today. And if there is a topic or guest you want to see on the show in one of these upcoming months, reach out. Creation Station at Broward.org. We'll see everybody on Thursday. Have a great day.